When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast is proudly sponsored by The Terrace, the home of retro and fan culture sports merchandise. Check out their range of Forest merch by visiting theterracestore.com or visit them on social media. The 1865 Match Report. Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report. And it's not been a very happy day today as Forrest went away to Cardiff City and they lost by two goals to one. Forrest lined up today in a 4-2-3-1 formation. They had Samba and Goal, Spence and Lowe at fullback and Cook and McKenna at centre-half. And then Lewis Graben was up front with Zinconagel coming in in the deeper position as Keenan Davis had been poorly for a couple of days. So it meant that Graben was leading the line. And of course, alongside him, he had Brennan Johnson. And in the midfield, we had a combination of Yates and Colbeck with Garner in a slightly more advanced position. I'm joined today by Stephen Topless to talk about the match. And let's be honest, Stephen, it couldn't have got off to a much worse start, could it? Nope. Five minutes in, we give the ball away to a striker who has literally today just signed for Cardiff. He has free run on goal and slots it into the bottom corner. And yeah, it's 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 a nightmare start away from home after five minutes. Number, I mean, there are a couple of things that go wrong with the goal. First of all, McKenna giving the ball away how he does. And then Steve Cook covering, but he doesn't really cover you can see McKenna almost ushering him to to come across and come into Hugh Gill's path as he chases towards goal but it seems as if Cook was more worried about the player behind him rather than trying to snuff out the immediate danger of Hugh Gill uh, because at that point McKenna was not in the game he Hugh Gill was gone and he wasn't going to catch him so Cook kind of got caught I think he, he wanted to stay with his original man and in doing so gave Hugh Gill the freedom of the penalty area to, to put the ball away. And it was 1-0 and it was a disappointing goal to concede and one that was really avoidable. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And like you, I was giving the ball away. It happens. And the way that Forrest play under Cooper, he wants the players to be a little bit daring. And so it will happen occasionally you give the ball away. We've seen instances of it in, in other matches. Worrell's done the same, Cook's done the same. However, when Hugel got away with a head start, you know, Hugel's not not quick, but McKenna couldn't catch up. And yeah, you're absolutely right. McKenna gestured to Cook, come across, come across. Now, I am no great footballer. I don't even play anymore. But having played as a defender, the one thing that I always know is that in that situation, you go to the ball because... You can mark the man, but if you're leaving the man, another player free with the ball and the clean run on goal, then that's much more dangerous. If he'd gone across, he forces Hugel to try and do something. As it was, Hugel had all the time in the world and he's he's had a torrid time at West Brom. 
but Hugel is a proven championship goal scorer. So you don't give a proven championship goal scorer an absolute free run on your goal and expect to get away with it. And basically we got what we deserved with that one, didn't we, Stephen? We did. And it's funny because I expected Hugill to score today because he he is the the kind of striker that tends to have success against Forrest, big and burly, strong in the air. So I was just expecting some kind of headed goal at some point in the game from him. So to concede one like that wasn't really expected. And I don't know if I'm more disappointed by that, at least with the headed goal, you know, is something he's good at and it's one of his strong points. Whereas you're allowing him a clean run on goal and the opportunity to to score one-on-one with the keeper. In, so, in a way, it's, it's a that bit more disappointing. And yeah, we're go- I think we're going to look back on that goal and analyse that and the team will as well. And they'll know that that simply wasn't good enough defending from, from the team there. Yeah. Um, and Forrest, it reminded me quite a lot of the Middlesbrough match, actually, whereby, look, Cardiff were doing really well. They'll be well pleased with their performance because they did what they had to do against Forrest. Tactically, they'd thought about it. They'd obviously worked hard, come up with a game plan. And that game plan included harrying and harassing Forrest on the ball at every opportunity, pressing high up the pitch against us. And so in that sense, yeah, it's like what Wilder got got Borough doing on Boxing Day. What I would also say is the other thing that was reminiscent is that meant that Forrest had very little fluency. And the one semblance of a chance that they had was when Brennan Johnson did a bit of Brennan Johnson magic down the right hand side got down to the byline he put the ball across the uh, across the six yard area and it was notable that there were Cardiff players getting their first ahead of Forest players um, despite the slight deflection it took on the way through I would hope that Forrest would be attack, attacking the ball a bit more. He saw Zinconagel on the left of the box and he just didn't seem to be. Graben was the one who retrieved it because he was actually the deepest of the forward players there and he was supposed to be leading the line. So even with that move, I thought there were a few. It's, it showed that it wasn't quite, wasn't quite going the way we'd hoped, I would say. And I'm going to ask you, Stephen, were you surprised that Forrest went with a back four today? And just as importantly, were you surprised that they stayed in the 4-2-3-1 rather than maybe switching up formation-wise? So, no, I'm not I'm not surprised on the basis of the personnel available. I think that almost dictated the three the the move to a, a four. And I I think when we did play Ryan Yates in that back three, we struggled a bit. It didn't quite work. So I think that might have put Cooper off putting him there again. Um, although funnily enough, due to Cook's injury at the end and being down to 10 men, Yates ended up being one of the two centre-halves alongside McKenna. So it's uh, it's it's been one of those days where I think whatever we were doing just wasn't coming off and it was indicative across the team. The point you mentioned there about players not being first to the ball in the penalty box when a ball's being played across, I think that was happening all over the pitch. The Cardiff were first to the ball, chasing, harrying, and, and Forrest just weren't doing that. And and that was a key reason why we, we never really got a foothold in the game. And so that suggests that, you know, Cardiff had that game plan. They, like you'd mentioned, Hugo was signed a matter of hours before, it was rubber stamped a matter of hours before kickoff. Um, they've actually signed a number of players, one of whom was Alfie Doughty, who's playing left wing back. And and he had a very effective match as well and, and, and kept Brennan Johnson and Jed Spence fairly quiet on that side, along with Mark McGuinness, who's the left-sided centre-half. 
Forest left as, a, as an attacking force was very, very quiet. I thought Zinc and Argol barely got a touch of the ball um, in the 60 minutes or so before he was subbed. And Max Lowe, I don't know, I, he's, he's a good defender. We know that from his stats. But I always think that he looks much happier playing as a wing back rather than as a as an orthodox fullback. Um, so he didn't really make much of an impression going forward on this occasion. Um, so, yeah, again, I would say Cardiff's game plan. And it meant that at half time, it was 1-0 to the home team. And Forrest had a lot of thinking to do. Now, let's move on to the second half. I was... As I've already mentioned, I was a little bit surprised to see that we hadn't maybe changed formation slightly, maybe slotting Yates into the back three or something like that. Um, and and Forrest, you know, started the second half. And to be honest, not a huge amount had changed, had it, in terms of the balance of the game and and the way in which both teams were playing. No, we almost had a carbon copy of the first half, didn't we? we in the opening minutes, Forrest were caught out again at the back and it was McKenna who played a, a lofted ball, uh, a lofted pass back towards Samba under pressure and Samba didn't, didn't control it and ended up, well, it's a good job the ball wasn't on target, put it that way, and it, it drifted wide of the post because that could have been 2-0 and again, set the tone for the second half. Forrest were not not at it and we needed to come out at the beginning of that second half more on the front foot yeah we had a little bit of a flurry midway through the second half but again Cardiff started to get back on top and it was from there that they eventually got the second goal from that that pressure that they'd built up yeah I mean with that McKenna um, back pass uh, Samba ended up he couldn't I think his instinct was he wanted to kind of grab it out of the air, but obviously he realised he couldn't. And he ended up doing nothing than just, just watching it. And again, a little bit reminiscent of the Middlesbrough match with Ryan Yates' disastrous own goal there. Before Cardiff got their second goal, Forrest had what I thought was, was their best chance, actually, in terms of it was the most Steve Cooper-esque chance um, when Jimmy Garner um, went down the left-hand side, got down to the byline, and he put a really um, a pacey ball across the six-yard line, that my old friend, the corridor of uncertainty. And it's one of those things, isn't it? Of all the players you want on the end of that, running in on the edge of the box, on the edge of the six-yard box, it was Brennan Johnson, but it was a bit Gazer in Euro 96, wasn't it? Yeah, you could put it as either Brennan was a couple of seconds too short on that, or Garner's just put the ball in at slightly too much of a pace. And it's ahead of Brennan and he's never going to get there. But that was one of the few moments in the game, as well as the, the Brennan one in the first half, where got to the bar line in behind them and pulled a dangerous ball across. But we just weren't quite there to finish it off. And unfortunately for us, it wasn't quite close enough and the chance was, the chance was missed. And then we saw the substitution, which was uh, Zinkenagel being withdrawn as I say, I mean, he was anonymous today. Let's not point any fingers. He just had a bad day in the left wing. He barely got a touch of the ball. And when he did, he ended up just running straight into his defenders. And so Keenan Davis came on and it meant that Graben dropped into the uh, left-sided um, slot in the three behind the centre forward. And there was a goal from Davis not long afterwards, but unfortunately it was for Isaac Davis, Car Cardiff substitute. And once again, Stephen... I mean, it was really, really poor defending. I mean, it was reminiscent for both goals. The defending was reminiscent of the days before Cooper came in, isn't it? 
Yeah, it was lacklustre defending the... We, well, we allow a ball to come across. I think it's Hugel who pulls away down the left-hand side. The cross is too high and too deep. And it's, it's rolling away towards the touchline. And the Forest players seem to switch off. They think the ball's going out of play and they're almost getting ready for the next phase to, to prepare themselves for the throw-in. But Cardiff player gets across and keeps the ball in play. Max Lowe is there, but he doesn't go to the ball enough to actually stop the cross coming in or stop the player doing something. Rolls it inside. Um, I think it's rules, isn't it? It has the, the, the bending shots, which hits the post. I mean, that this is unlucky where it hits the post, hits the back of Samba and drops straight to the player, Cardiff player Davis, in the middle of the penalty area and all he has to do is tap it in. So that bit was a little bit unlucky, but before that it was sloppy and it was avoidable. And mm. and that was another example of where we just weren't on our game today because somebody players should have been reading that situation and been alive to stop the ball coming in and and just do the basics, which they, mm. they didn't do in that situation. Yeah, and the, one of the bits that you missed out actually is that the initial attack where Hugo put the cross, uh, cross in stemmed again as a result of us losing the ball in the in the middle third so it's Ryan Yates yeah. who got robbed and it's one of those whereby as the player who's been robbed you look at the referee asking for a free kick but there's nothing in it the thing that really annoyed me was the dawdling like you say it was a lackluster response that first phase Max Lowe should have been busting a gut to close down uh, the player on the wing and then even in the second phase, once the shot had gone in, yes, it hit Sambo and there's nothing the keeper can do about that. But there's three Forest defenders. You've got McKenna, Cook and Spence. And they're all standing there in a line, sort of level of the penalty spot, watching as Isaac Davis has enough time for it to take a, to take a touch and then bundle it in. And they're all standing there looking at each other. And a player like Steve Cook and a player like Scott McKenna, I'd usually be expecting them to absolutely be tearing it up to get to that ball first. And they weren't today. And that was symptomatic of, of that lack of energy and that lack of um, thought that, that Forrest were, were showing for probably 88 out of the 90 minutes today. Would you agree? Yeah, I, th- there was no purpose in our play. There was no cohesion no understanding and they did at times they look like a team of individuals the way that like you say there with the with the defending no but nobody's taking responsibility for for the for the defending as a whole no team everybody's pointing fingers and well you should have been there where were you and that that's we haven't seen that from this forest team certainly not for a long time and McKenna and Cook are, are experienced defenders and actually haven't put a foot wrong since they've played together. So it was just really disappointing to see such sloppy phases of defending from from Forest today. And and I think and I think you yeah you you do need to give Cardiff credit for the way that they played. They had a plan. They worked hard and they did the basics very well and made life difficult for us. But they didn't have to do a great deal to go two goals in front. And for me, that's the most disappointing and, and frustrating thing about the game is that we've essentially thrown points away there for, in a, situations that were avoidable. Mm. 
just a quick word about Joe Rawls, who I think is a decent championship midfielder. As we saw today, he's got a really strong left foot on him. He's, you know, he wears number eight and he plays like a number eight. Um, was he lucky to have not been in the book in the first half and again in the second half? I cannot believe he wasn't at least booked today. Could have even, yeah, could have even been sent off for the for the late follow through. I think he's on Yates. He follows through with a tackle and feet uh, studs are high. Frustrating one that because when when players are allowed to get away with those kind of fouls and they don't, they go unpunished uh, and teams as well. I think it happened across the whole of the Cardiff team. They were allowed to get away with quite a few robust tackles that perhaps Forrest were not being allowed to get away with. Uh, I remember there was a, a booking for Colback not long after, uh, where not long after a Cardiff challenge, which was exactly the same as his, but Colback's the one who gets booked. So it, it's moments like that. It, it stops the game, it disrupts the game. And if one team's getting away with it more than the other, that it does create an imbalance. But the referee wasn't to blame for the for the defeat. I have to say that was on Forest, but on another day, I don't think rules should have been on the pitch. So I don't feel as strongly about this as you do, Stephen. But what I would say is the callback booking is exactly what you'd expect a referee to do. In that, once the first third of the match is coming to an end, you make a booking of an away player to make the point that I'm in control of this match. Um, rules that first challenge, I can. I thought it was yellow, but he didn't get a yellow. He did get a word after the phase of play had ended. So the ref obviously knew something had happened, but chose not to punish it either because he didn't see it or for whatever reason. What annoyed me more was in the second half, right at the start of the second half, Rawls, having been spoken to, then committed another kind of almost yellow card. So come on, that's do, do your job there. Um, he kind of evened it up because he gave Cody Drame a, a yellow card when he followed through a little bit on McKenna, but Drame, well, he, he, he slipped, basically. So I thought that was quite a harsh yellow as well. Um, and the second point I wanted to make is that Neil Warnock, as a Sky pundit, said, I want to give credit to the referee. Everyone's laughing because he never gives credit to a referee. But he goes, credit to the referee because he was in control. It's like, yeah, yeah, mm, OK. You, you think what you need to, Colin. Um, yeah. Let's come back to the action on the pitch. So Forrest did make a uh, another substitution. Um, so Keenan Davis coming on at least gave us a focal point up front. It's interesting that that's even after just a few weeks, him not playing showed us what we were missing by not having that focal point up front. Graben was peripheral as the lone centre forward. Davis came on. And then Zande Silva came on for Jack Colback about 10 minutes later. And Zande Silva had a chance with five minutes of normal time to go. And it's one of those where, as I've said so many times, me and my missus, we sometimes will say the great thing about Forest is that they will keep going, whether they're having a good performance, a terrible performance, whatever. And if Silva had put this one away, who knows? I mean, we know what the final result was, but who knows what would have happened the other way. So it was him coming from deep, a one-two with Davis as that number nine focal point, and a player in form just passes it into the back of the net, but he was trying too hard, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he wanted that top corner finished into the emphatic one that flies into the roof of the net and and almost bursts it. That was a shame, though, because that was one of the few moments of really cohesive play that Forrest put together in the whole game. And 
And I, I thought Sunday Silver came off the bench and was actually quite lively. Um, certainly his movements and his speed impressed me. And he, he he has got a knack of getting into some very decent positions. He did it against Barnsley as well the other night and had a shot. It was a good shot as well, crashed away off the post, which was a bit unfortunate. But tonight, the, yeah, he's, he's blazed that one over the bar. And it's a shame because up until then, he'd done everything right. The movement mm. between him and Davis and the ball back into his path. So I agree with you. I think that was the most Forrest under Cooper moment of, of the match. The only time that Forrest managed to put a cohesive move together, as you say. There was a moment earlier in the second half where Yates got down the channel and put a ball across the six-yard line, but the defenders got their first grab and was at the far edge of the six-yard box. And those are the only two times that Forrest managed to break the lines. I don't like using tactical terms because I'm not tactically minded enough to, to justify it but Forrest really struggled to get between those lines and, and as we saw again before Cooper sometimes the 4-2-3-1 can look quite rigid as a formation and I think that happened again today now in stoppage time the fourth minute of six we did get a goal Cardiff haven't kept a clean sheet for I don't know several centuries and uh, Jimmy Garner took a corner Keenan Davis used his strength to hold off Perry and G and get to the ball before Sean Morrison. Um, we always knew it was going to be a consolation at that stage, didn't we? But it's also very rare to see Forrest score directly from a corner. It is. And um, Keenan Davis deserves some credit there because he's got up in the box with those big six foot Cardiff defenders and he's won the header and he's done everything you ask for in that situation. Low into the net where the keeper struggles to get it. And he took it really well. So it's good to see that we've got a striker there who's got the physical presence, but also we know now we can put the ball into the box and he in the air and he'll be able to do something with it. So it's good to see a different option come forward there with Davis. And um, yeah, hopefully that's uh, another, another bit of uh, attacking quality that we can add to our armory. Just gives us better mm. options. But as we said, we knew it was only going to be a consolation and Cardiff were quite easily able to see out the last two minutes. Perhaps just as much of a concern is losing Steve Cook and Lewis Graben to injury. Now, uh, Steve Cook, he came off with a calf injury. At the time, I thought it was tactical because I thought it was just uh, a play to put on fresh legs in midfield with Cafu and let him run between the lines but it turned out it's with a calf injury. So maybe that explains a little bit about why Cook wasn't, wasn't at the level we hoped. Maybe it's just a bit of fatigue after, you know, four weeks of, of hard play in championship level, having not played much this season. So we're now looking a little bit thin. You mentioned about Toby Figueredo. I do think we missed Joe Worrell today. I think the kind of player that Worrell is, firstly, he'd have got across for that first goal after six minutes and he he's got the legs to do it and he'll have put in a big block and even with the second goal I think he'd have been yelling at the defenders so maybe wouldn't have been quite so static with that second goal all conjecture obviously and Worrell was sat on the bench probably kicking every ball figuratively now Lewis Graben looked a little bit more of a concern um ironically Joe Rawls didn't get booked and his replacement Will Volks came on it was one of those tackles, wasn't it? He got the ball, but was it a fair tackle? From a red perspective, what do you think? 
Well, he didn't half class a grabbing, didn't he? It was a, it was probably in the seventies and eighties. You'd have put that down as yeah, good tackle. He's taken the ball, bit of the man. He's done well there. But in in the modern game, you could say it's probably a, maybe a booking. I think there's more emphasis now on yes, you've got to win the ball, but you've also got to be cautious of how you win it. So if you come through a player or you give it a bit of a scissor as you as you follow through, then you will get booked for it. And perhaps there was a little bit of that in, in Volk's challenge. No question that he won the ball and it was a good tackle on that basis. But I think the follow through is what's done it there. And yeah, maybe a bit overly robust. And we're now in a position potentially where Graben might be out. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about ankle ligaments. As Baz of this parish has said on many occasions, all it takes is Graben to get a kick to his ankle. And it looks like that's what he had. Um, so uh, it meant that we did see out the match with 10 men, but it's not the concern for today. The concern is over the next few weeks and all of a sudden we're looking a little bit light up front again. It is the end of the transfer window. Do you think that this could force the club's hand or do you think they should already have some irons in the fire or a combination of the two? Combination of the two. I think the club have been working on deals throughout the month. I think that there's a real sense of planning now in the club. So there's contingency plans. If transfer A doesn't come off, there's transfer B that will be the next option that we go to. It's it's a lot more joined up and I think a lot more cohesive under Dame Murphy and Steve Cooper working there as well alongside him. I think the transfer strategy is 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 a lot more joined up, a lot more obviously data-based as we know. So I've got a lot more trust in the process of how we recruit players. And if you look at the signings we've made so far in January, they've all been really good. Davis and Cook especially have been two excellent acquisitions so far. So I'm confident that the club have been working on something. I don't think they're going to go into tomorrow panicked necessarily and scrambling around for players as quite often has been the case with Forrest in previous transfer windows. Um, I think it might just be now trying to push harder for targets that we may have had in mind already. So let's hypothetically, that might be a Jed Wallace or a Josh Bowler. It might just force a hand though, in terms of bringing in another centre half, whether that's a Premier League loan or there's another player like a Steve Cook out there on a free who can come in and, and bolster those positions for us as players recover from injury. I suppose the striking situation, the striker positions is going to be the the difficult one because we've let Lyle Taylor go out on loan. And I, I think as well, I was talking to Tom about this on an, on the last podcast, the, the risk if something does happen to Lewis Grabben now, we're almost back at square one where it was Taylor and Grabben as our only two. Now it's Davis and Grabben and it might just be only Davis. So we we will have a bit of work cut out to to possibly find a decent striker on deadline day. Problem is as well with the injury today, we won't know how serious it is for for a couple of days at least because you've got to wait for swelling to go down and and for 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 the injury to almost show up in a scan, whereas it it perhaps won't immediately. So we don't know if Gavin's out for a few days or a few weeks at this stage, which complicates matters a bit further. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we will be reflecting upon whatever transfer activity there is or isn't uh, when we uh, speak to you 
over the next few weeks. After playing three matches in eight days, I'm that Cooper and Forrest will be grateful for the little break before next Sunday's match against Leicester City. And obviously we will bring you a match report from that. It's a difficult one, really, because Forrest have been um, looking so much better in January after that little blip over Christmas. So the question being, once again, not what happens when you lose, but what happens when you try and bounce back. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.